Hi, I'm your host, Tina Clark, and welcome to My Weirdest Experience Podcast. This is the podcast of the weirdest experience that has ever happened to you and gives you a venue to fully express yourself and share your weirdest story with the world. This is the No Judgment Zone, a safe place to share your experience. It's also a place where we discuss what happened to you and share some possible theories on what and why this happened. If you would like to be on the show, email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Hi, I have Dr. Jennifer Shaw here today on the show. She is a doctor of physical therapy, and she has a wonderful story to tell us about how she met the love of her life. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. It's quite a journey, right? And it's this idea of, uh, as we had talked about just before, it's this, this idea of oftentimes we think we know exactly what we should have in our lives. And we are so rigid in that thinking that we get in our own way and we stop and block the universe from providing for us something far beyond what we can even imagine. It's kind of crazy how that works, right? Totally. Okay. So a little bit of backstory on me. I just want to share is I'm a doctor of physical therapy and three weeks into my physical therapy career, I was in a really severe accident. I was struck by a car while riding my bike and it left me with a spinal cord injury, a brain injury, a brainstem injury, and all kinds of other back injuries. I thankfully was never paralyzed, but I dealt with severe chronic pain for over five years. Uh, The beginning of that pain cycle about the first eight months, I listened to every doctor and I took every pill they said, and I was 25 taking 30 pills a day and I was completely disabled. Uh, And that was just a really, really low part of my life. And I was told by the head of neurosurgery for the hospital system out here in San Diego that I'd be dependent on medication for the rest of my life. And I went home, I cried, I drank a bottle of wine, like a good 25 year old and was like, my life is over. And then I woke up the next morning and said, F all of them. And I put all the meds in a shoebox, and I never took them again. And I lived in really severe pain for about five years after that. And I never really thought I'd get out of it. I had tried all the things I'd gotten into yoga, became a yoga instructor. I was religious about seeing my acupuncturist, getting cupping, gua sha, my nutrition, my mindfulness practice, my meditation, uh, you name it. I was really trying all the things. And then I was super reluctantly introduced to essential oils. And there's a theme in my life of the reluctance and the, the resistance I have and things that serve me best. And, and I remember like kind of arguing with my acupuncturist for a while. It's like, go meet this girl. And I'm like, I'm not going to do it. She's like, go meet this girl. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. And I was like, if I go, will you leave me alone? She's like, yes. And I met the girl and I was like, I'm just going to buy these. So y'all leave me alone. They're not going to work. And she was like, okay, all sweet about it. And I bought them. And within six weeks of doing what she had recommended, I did, I was pain-free for the first time, five and a half years. And I was like, Oh, these things work. And then she said, you should do this as a business. And I was like, I will never do this as a business. Again, I pushed up against resistance about some with something that best served me because I thought I knew what was best. I had a plan, not, I didn't want the universe's plan. I had my plan. And I, you know, 
kept using my oils. My friends started asking me about them. And then finally I started helping my friends get them and I started getting paid. And I was like, wait a minute, I should do this as a business. And she was like, I told you. And I was like, okay. Uh, and then now fast forward seven years later, it's my full-time income. Um, it's been my income that has helped me through a divorce from a toxic marriage, uh, that kept me financially sound through 2020. Um, it's, you know, it's been my sidekick, this business. I wouldn't change it for the world. I've been doing it full time for God, five years now, which is kind of crazy. I'm like, I think that means I made it. Like, I think it means I'm, I'm, I'm doing this business thing for real. Right. If I've been doing it for that long, I think uh, so. full time. Yeah. Right? Why not? I've been doing what I've been doing for seven years. I can't even believe it's been seven years. Isn't that crazy? Seems it like a like- lot, but doesn't. Exactly. At the same time. Yeah. It's just like, you look back and you're like, I started yesterday, but it was seven years ago. How are those two the same thing? <laughs> yeah, so crazy. So yeah, I, um, I started building that business and that business gave me my life back. I started to realize I could have everything in my life that I wanted. I got rid of the pain. I was getting my emotional health back. Uh, I was seeing things without blinders for the first time in over five years. And at this point I was six years into a relationship and I I believe now looking back, he started to see me grow. He started to see that I was, I was expanding. I was wanting more in life and I wasn't necessarily wanting more from him. Like I was happy in our relationship. Looking back, I wasn't really that happy, but at that time I was. And then I believe now looking back that he proposed because he felt he was losing me. So I said, yes, we'd been together six and a half years and we went and got married. And I remember coming home from, we eloped in Hawaii and did a honeymoon and things. And I remember coming home and realizing that that marriage certificate to him meant ownership. Things were said like, you're my wife. My wife doesn't act like that. My wife doesn't do those things. Um, and I just was like, okay, well, I'm in this. I got to just keep going. There was a lot of financial abuse. There was a lot of emotional abuse. There was no physical abuse. Um, but I remember looking prior to this relationship at women or people in relationships that were abusive. And I'm like, why don't they just leave? I don't get it. And the thing is when you're in those relationships, you will try anything to not see it. You will try anything to numb and survive and get through it. And you're like, I can make this better. I can do it. I can fix this. Right. And then you'll finally, hopefully get to your breaking point where you're like, I can't change this. I, I am in too deep. I got to get out. I'm my life's in danger emotionally, physically. Like I can't be here. And that was what ended up happening for me. We were married for two Oh, let's see. We were married for one and a half years, I believe, when I left. And I just kind of threw my hands up and was like, okay, universe, I've tried. I've tried. I obviously wasn't listening. You got me hit by a car to get me to wake up. You threw these oils in my face so many times that I finally had to listen to them to get me to follow this path. I built this financial independence that I was able to to provide for myself in order to leave this marriage, which is why most people don't leave, right? It's like the kids or the money or whatever it be, right? And I was like, I'm listening to you now. I 
I'm done. I'm done fighting you. I'm listening to you. Right. And I, I decided to leave and I left and, uh, just took some time to myself and tried to figure out what was, what was going on in my life. And I, I still was in this way of like, this thing of getting in my own way of like thinking I knew what was best. Right. I had kind of gotten to this point where I was like, I, I trust the universe, everything, everything's working out my best good. But in the background, I was like, (laughs) but you're leading, you're driving this ship. Like, okay. You know, and I wasn't fully releasing to it yet. And, and that's been the biggest journey of like looking back at all of the experiences in my life and seeing all of the times in which the universe literally had to come in and like, give me a swift kick in the ass to get me to stop trying to control everything. Right. Yep. I've been kicked in the ass too. (laughs) Badly. (laughs) Right. And then it's funny when you look at like the time you got that, that you get badly kicked in the ass, like getting hit by a car. I can look before that and see little like love taps from the universe that are like, pay attention, wake up, change this, do this different. Hello. We're talking to you. We're talking to you. And like, you're ignoring, 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 like, fine, I'll hit you by a car with the car. So you listen. So I'm curious during your, the accident, where were you going? Mm. I always ask this question of my clients because I feel like accidents happen for a reason, even though they suck but I always look at the hidden meaning behind the accident and where were you going when the accident happened? Another time I didn't listen to the universe, but I was leaving my then boyfriend's house, now my ex-husband, to go home to go to work in the morning. So we lived like a mile from each other and I would ride my bike. So I had just thrown my backpack on, gotten all bundled up for that mile ride home to go get ready for work. And looking back, I'm like, the universe was like, yo, stop this pattern. (laughs) Put yourself first, put your career first. I didn't listen. Kind of crazy, right? When you think about all of those. Yeah. For me, like it was when I was working for the government and I kept changing jobs because I kept getting in these horrendous scenarios it was really like dramatic and I kept changing oh it's going to be better here it's going to it just kept getting worse and worse and and then my appendix burst at the end of my last job talk about my power leaking out of my solar plexus chakra And I said the same thing. I said, okay, universe, you are telling me not to do this work. So I'm going to walk away from my career. I'm going to walk away from my master's degree, which I spent good money and good time on Mm -hmm. because apparently I'm not supposed to do this. And then I was like, what do I do now? Oh, let's go have some babies. (laughs) Sounds good. That's what I did. I was like, oh, I'll become a stay-at-home mom because I don't know what the hell I'm doing, you know? And yeah. it was great. The universe was telling me, Tina, this is what you need to be doing right now. Yeah. You need to make that a priority. And you did. Right. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. Took me uh, another nine years to listen. So... <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, I listen now and I do my best to release that control, right? But it's, it is interesting to think about what were you doing? What decisions were you making at that time? And what sacrifices were you making for yourself? And yeah, it was, it's interesting to look back. So, so the, to make it easier on our listeners, please pay attention to your intuitive nudges and the signs yeah. that's coming because if you don't pay attention, you'll end up in an accident or your appendix bursting. You don't yeah. want to take it that far. No need to go to that extreme, right? I have this one Oracle card deck called Work the Light. And one of the cards is Trust the Niggle. And it's like, literally, like, trust that little, like, nudge that's going on in you, that little, like, voice. It's like, hey, we're down here pay attention and you know that's gonna help save you from so many of these things that we see as like catastrophes but like really they're the universe was warning us the whole time the universe was giving us a heads up and we just chose not to listen so choose to listen right and then you maybe won't have to have such a severe thing happen or if you have such a very severe thing happen ask yourself why Mm -hmm. exactly So one of the things um, that I, as women specifically, being a, a single woman in my mid-30s, one of the fears of leaving my ex-husband was like, well, I want to have a family. And then I was like, but I can't have a family with him. Like, oh, I'm, I'm never going to meet anyone. I'm, I'm going to run out of time. You're like counting things in your head. And you're like, oh my God. And then I just was like, forget it. If I, if I don't have children in this lifetime, it's not meant to be if I don't meet the right spouse, like, and that was the thing for me, I was never just going to have kids. I was only going to have kids if I was in the, the right relationship to provide the right atmosphere and environment for children. Right. Like, I don't just want kids to have kids. Like I want kids if I can provide an amazing life for them. And I don't mean like, um, materialistically, I mean, emotionally, right. I mean, spiritually, I mean, guiding these children to be influential members of society. That's what I want right? And, you know, definitely being able to provide for them materially, like having a roof over their head and feeding them is, is a bonus too. But <laughs> I, I just mean in general, like this idea of providing for them um, in, in a, having a safe environment for them, right? And, and I just got to this point after that relationship where I was like, ah, forget it. And I, I was like, I just need to focus on me and I need to heal me. And I had gotten into a, a relationship following my divorce that was a very repetitive pattern of my um, drive towards narcissism and codependency and things just from ingrained from my childhood. And I made all these excuses again in that relationship. And it, it ended up blowing up in my face, which was fine because it, it did it very quickly. And it did it in a like, you're either going to wake up this time or we're giving up on you. And, and it was a big wake up call that, that, created some huge shifts in my life. But it was funny while I was in that relationship, I was teaching yoga here in San Diego. And I had gone away for two months to just go to my best friend's house and drink wine and cry about life and get my shit back together, you know, cause that's what I had the luxury of doing. So I went and, and I went to North Carolina for two months and I had someone sub my yoga classes. And then, and then when I came back, 
I took my yoga classes back over and I taught Wednesday nights and I um, came back and I was so excited to see all my students and it was so awesome. And I don't have as vivid of a memory of this, but my now partner, um, my, who I will literally spend the rest of my life with, he is, we are just, I couldn't have ever met someone whose life experiences and personality has lined them up better to be the right balance and match and support for me and vice versa. And it's because of all the things we've been through. It's because of all the lessons we've chosen to learn and work through. Right. Uh, But he was in my yoga class that day and he, I remember him because he was, he's fit. He's covered in tattoos. I love tattoos. And I was like, Oh, he's cute. Like moving on. I'm in a relationship you know, I'm happy to see all my students. But when I talked to him, God, it was like a year and a half later when we did start dating, uh, he had said to me that he had the weirdest experience when I walked into that room. He said, the moment I walked into that room, he felt his soul jump out at me and then like suck back in. And he literally thought to himself, like, I'm going to have babies with this woman. And like, and then he was like, what? You're in a relationship. You don't want kids. Like all of these things in his head. And he's like, you're crazy. Like, and kind of put it out. And he's like, but every time he saw me, he had this like intense reaction. And uh, it happens to be that we're both doctors of physical therapy. I, at the time was working full-time for myself. And he was like, how did you do this? Do you mind if I take you out to dinner and chat with you about how you went from physical therapy to running your own business. And I was like, oh yeah, sure. I didn't see anything of it. I didn't know he was in a relationship, but turns out he was. And I was in a relationship. So I was like, yeah, we're just going to go talk business. And I was like, oh, he'd be a cool business partner. That's my mind. I'm like, hmm. And we had a great conversation. I kind of hinted at the business opportunity for him. And he's like, not the right time right now. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, it was funny because he already used doTERRA oils. And he told me at that time, he's like, a friend of mine always already buys them for me. It turns out the friend of his was his girlfriend's, but he doesn't remember omitting that, that bit of information. <laughs> so it's kind of funny, but you know, we just kept crossing paths just a little bit and we went our separate ways. And, um, I ended the relationship I was in. He ended the relationship he was in. I ran into a mutual friend of ours and they were like, you guys need to talk. And we went to yoga together and brunch. And he, in his mind at that point was like, I'm single. I think she's single. Like I'm going to make this happen. And I was casually like seeing somebody wasn't really in a relationship. He thought I was still in the same relationship and kind of tossed up his hands and was like, eh, forget it. And then we went our separate ways again. And it was uh, six months later about four months later, we started talking more online and uh, getting to know each other. Six months later, we hung out. And basically I, at that point I had made up my mind. I'm like, Whoa, Jen, you're doing this again. Like you are trying to control things. And the universe has this man right in front of you who is everything you've ever wanted. Like, what are you doing? And I had this like aha moment where I was like, I'm going to actually listen to the universe this time. I'm going to trust my intuition. And I made it abundantly clear when we hung out like six months later, I was like, I'm single and I want to be with you. Like, let's talk about this. And he happened to be seeing someone and we had some big conversations to be had, some big decisions to be made. Um, And looking back, it's kind of like 
all of the breadcrumbs, all of the, the little nudges from the universe. And obviously we made decisions that enabled us to be together. And we've been in this incredible, deep, thriving, hard, challenging, but amazing relationship now for 10 months where it's, and I say hard and challenging because it's like, we don't shy away from any of the conversations. We talk about our traumas. We do our healing. Like we have everything on the table and it's like, we have these huge goals now together that are incredible, but it was the first time I can honestly say I fully let go and just listen to my intuition in the universe. And I had more than I ever could have imagined now in my life. So it's kind of crazy. So how long did it take him to tell you about his soul jumping out at you at that first yoga class? So when, once he knew I was like, okay, I want this relationship to be a thing. Um, he told me like the second week. So we'd hung out like on a Friday and then we hung out the next Friday. And he told me that next Friday, he's like, I need you to know where this is all coming from for me and the decisions I'm making right now. And that was like part of his decision-making process. He's like, I always knew I was going to be with you, but I never thought it was going to happen is the way he described it. Mm -hmm. Like, so he says to me still, like, he'll just walk over and kiss me and say, I still can't believe I get to be with you. Cause he had like known in his soul that we were supposed to be together that, and he'd kind of described it as like, I was starting to accept that maybe it just wasn't going to happen in this lifetime. And knowing that we'd been together in other lifetimes in other capacities, right? Like that was like just something he'd known very early and something that I came to see. And like, it was like one of those things where he was starting to accept that maybe this lifetime wasn't a time that we got to spend together. And, um, but his soul like still knew it. So he told me that pretty quickly once he realized like my feelings of things. Yeah. So when's the kids coming? The kids? Yeah. <laughs> Next year. <laughs> We're buying a house, then we get married, then the kids, you know, we got to do the things. Well, yeah. get engaged. So, you know, it's yeah. funny because we, we already have like rough plans on like when and what for marriage and things like that. And, um, but we're not engaged yet. So he said, that's something I don't get to know when that's officially happening. <laughs> so because of this experience, are you officially paying attention to your intuition now? Yeah. And it's funny. I thought I was before, mm -hmm. but it's just at this deeper level. I actually ex like kind of went into this on a, on a podcast. I recorded on my podcast just a, a, a little bit ago and it was so interesting. I, I, I related it to a pyramid, right? It's like the bottom of the pyramid has the most um, material. So like the most people, right? And most of those people are drifting through life and they're not really aware of their consciousness or their intuitions and things like that. And then, you know, as you go up to the next level of pyramid, people are like, Ooh, starting to dabble with that intuition and that inner knowing and starting to listen, but not always. Right. And then you just keep going up and up and up. Right. And, and I feel like we're always on that journey up that pyramid of like, what level of awareness do we have? What level of, of connection do we have with our intuition to our, our, um, inner knowing our third chakra or our third eye, third eye chakra, our crown chakra, right? Like that connection to the universe, like where are we on that journey? And, and if you even think about, I know we've talked to about chakras before when you were on the show, it's like, when we look at our chakras, like 
you, they grow, they evolve through our growth, our life, through our, our aging. And not many people get to full development of the third eye and the crown chakra, right? Hell, most people don't get to full development of their throat chakra or their heart chakra or things like that, right? Or their root. Or their root even, right? Most people don't find stability even in their root chakra if we want to go real truly, if we want to just be like hard and honest about it. So I would say that, uh, I would say that through my divorce, I was healing the root to the solar plexus, right? And I was trying to find that self-worth and the stability and the safety. Um, And as I've found some more healing there, I've been working to love myself, not the way that anyone expects me to be, but the way that I am. And I've never been in a relationship before where someone just truly 100% unconditionally loves me for me, like warts and all. Uh, And I'm learning to love myself for all of that. And I'm learning in this relationship to communicate, right? So I'm learning to communicate the hard things, the good things, the bad things, like all the things. Like I'm learning to just communicate genuinely what's going through my mind with myself and with others and with my significant other, right? And then through that development, I'm finding this this fine-tuned connection to my third eye and my crown and and that inner knowing and like really trusting the the nudges I get from the universe, really trusting what's coming my way. So I would never say that, I think anyone who says they're like done with evolving, done with growth or learned it all is the one that needs to learn the most, right? So it is a daily practice of me, of mine to tune into my body, to listen to what's coming up for me, to follow my gut when my gut screams like, don't do that. Don't go that way. Don't work with that person. Um, but also trusting my gut when it's saying, make that phone call, it's going to be uncomfortable, but this person and could change your business. Like, right. Yeah. And it could be as small as like the last, I had a client recently and she's of native American descent Mm. and I'm talking to her and I hear this voice that says, give her your bracelet, Mm. which I have this, um, turquoise bracelet I've had probably for 10 years okay and then I'm talking to her talking to her talking and then I hear again give her your bracelet and I took it off and I was like here I'm giving this to you but she's like why and I said because I keep hearing my guide say give it to you I don't know why but I'm giving it to you and I'm sad because I like this bracelet (laughs) (laughs) but you know I listened to the voice So I gave it to her. She has it now. And I think it's because she is Native American and the turquoise has special meaning for her, for her heritage, whatever reason. And I just gave it to her. So you mentioned earlier that you would get these intuitive hits and kind of resist them or say no. Mm -hmm. Are you the kind of person that says no a lot? Um, okay. Interesting question. You know why? Because I used to be a person that said yes a lot. I I was the opposite. Okay. So you were a yes. So I used to say no a lot to myself and yes a lot to others. And now I say no a lot to others 
and yes, a lot to myself. So it's been an evolution. And I mean, when you look at my marriage to my ex-husband, it was like, I paid the bills. I did the grocery shopping. I did the cooking. I did the cleaning. I made the money. Like I did it all. I got the water, like, and I left nothing for myself. And it was like, no to me. Yes to him just to keep the peace in the house. Right. And then now when you look at my relationship, it's, I say yes to us a lot. Um, I say yes to me a ton, but I am comfortable to say no when something doesn't work for me. Something when, you know, Hey, do you want to do this? No, I don't really want to, but you go ahead and do it. And I'm going to go do this. Right. And, and that's kind of a fun evolution for me to like learn. And even in business, I'm finding myself saying no to a lot more of the squirrels that come my way that are like, this is shiny, chase it. This is shiny, chase it. And I'm like, no, I'm focused. Mm-hmm. I have one goal in mind and this is my one goal and I am laser focused on it. Right. So yeah, as I've gotten more clarity, um, more decisiveness in what I want in my life, I've said no to others and opportunities a lot more and yes to myself a lot more. Well, thank you for saying yes to be on the podcast then. Yeah. Well, we had so much fun when you came on my podcast and I just love your message and I love what you share. You kind of take everyday conversations and push them a little bit outside of most people's comfort zone to just bring some awareness to people. And I think that that's a really powerful thing that not enough people do. So I was super excited to support you on that and have the honor of coming on the show and, and sharing, I think a story that many people can relate to of like everyday stuff that we tend to ignore and not realize that they have bigger meanings. Yeah. I, I always say that there is a box and I am outside, outside the box. You're not just outside the box. You're outside the outside of the box. I'm on the fringe somewhere, (laughs) which I actually like to be over there, but (laughs) yeah, there's nothing conventional about the way I approach and look at things. And, you know, you're right. I do tend to push farther and farther. So when you were talking about the pyramid, I was thinking about the um, levels of consciousness. Yeah. Are you familiar with that? Mm-hmm. So everything that's below 400 is negative. Mm-hmm. And when you get to 500, you're at love. And then it goes all the way to 800. So, you know, that's a good metaphor comparison for each other that all, there's a lot of people that are below 400 living and in a place of negativity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And when you, you think about that, it's like, people are so stuck in that fear of, Um, survival of safety of, can I pay the bills? And the more we think about it, the more that self perpetuates, right? So when they're stuck in that bottom part of psychological and physical safety and health, like sometimes you need to get hit by a car to get yourself out of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there's, I've heard from my favorite astrologer, there's two tracks to life. There's one where people are born 
called predestination, where we planned out our entire life to the T. Mm. And then the other group just keeps recycling through lives. And they don't take a break, you know, they get born, they die, and then three days later, they're back. And I definitely know that I've got the predestined Mm-hmm. you know I'm not playing around <laughs> no I'm here to make an impact I'm here to right. change lives I'm here to I am here to do something different break cycles like the the cycles I'm breaking within my family are huge like I I look at the changes I'm making and I'm like wow this is going to affect generations so many generations to come because I'm doing this hard work right now. And I almost didn't, I almost got caught drifting in the same patterning. And then I, I woke up and was like, nope. Mm -mm." Right. And that's what happens. I think is we just, we, it, it's the same saying of like disease isn't passed on from family to family. It's not genetic. What's passed on is habits, thought habits, physical habits, emotional habits, like those are passed on. And those are what causes the duplication of disease and illness. Maybe there's a genetic component. There's some for certain things, right? But even if you think about it, like Alzheimer's has three markers. I have one of the three markers. I'm not going to have Alzheimer's because I am doing everything in my power to ensure that that is not my destination. And really even in my thirties, looking at what I'm eating and how that affects my neurological health, right? So yes, there's genetic components, but what causes those genetic components to come out is the habits. It's the food we eat, the thoughts we think, the people we surround ourselves with, the relationships we accept in our lives. And that's what it comes down to is like, you're here in this lifetime to do something right? You choose something. Do you want it to be repeat old patterns and just get reincarnated to do those things all again? Or do you want it to be, to make a change, to break generational patterns, to, to finally put the stop sign up for shit that doesn't serve you. Right. And that's where we have to kind of make those, those decisions. And, and, and one of the books I I love, I don't know if you've read this. It didn't start with you by Mark Wolin. I always talk about his book. I read at the beginning of the year. It's mind-blowing. He was on my podcast. Um, We carry on traumas from generations one, two, three back. We could be living and reincarnating our great-grandparents' traumas. Oh, more than that. Oh, yeah. I mean- All the way back. Mm -hmm. You're talking, but he just talks about just specifically like three generations in the book. And I, I know from like my emotion code work and things that I have emotions stuck in me from 12 generations back that I've been able to release. I had emotions stuck in me from 12 generations back a lot from five generations back on my mother's side, something happened five generations back on my mother's side that has put a lot of emotions into my psyche that I'm working to release. Right. And it's insane when we think about that and it can make you feel powerless or it can make you feel full of power. And basically all I'm saying is like, we are the only ones that have that choice to make the changes 
and to slow down enough to listen to what the universe is trying to tell us. Yes, yes, yes to all of it. Mm. <laughs> so the emotion code, what is that? Mm. So the emotion code is a technique. There's a book. There's a certification that people do. I'm not certified in the emotion code. My dear friend, Ronay is certified in the emotion code. She's my emotion code practitioner, uh, but I know how to do emotion code on myself. And basically it's this technique you can use to find emotions that are trapped within your body uh, and release them. So every you know time you release emotions, it's peeling back a layer of an onion and it's finding other emotions that you didn't know. But so you can have emotions stuck like unworthiness, lack, um, frustration, love unreceived. You can have all of these different emotions stuck. And there's a way that you can um, use um, muscle testing to find out where these emotions stuck, where they come from. And, um, if you're ready to release them and you can have them like stuck in your heart, you can have heart walls, you can have, um, you know, your shield or your, your energy protection be all the way down at zero, or you can have it up at hundred. And it's all a physical way of tuning into what's actually going on in your emotions. It's really a cool, um, technique, but you can check out the book. I read the book first. Cause I was like, this is hocus pocus. And then I was like, <laughs> Oh, this is cool. Uh, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with Tony Robbins that you guys are listening. Like Tony Robbins wrote the foreword in it. Uh, and yeah. And I, I believed in it prior to having work with an emotion code, pra code practitioner. But once I worked with my friend, Rone, who's emotion code practitioner, practitioner, I was like, oh, this is amazing. So we've been doing some some intense sessions, like once a week for almost a month now, and really unraveling some of my attachments to lack and worthiness that are really rooted in my early teenage years um, from some family things that happened. Uh, so kind of powerful. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm going to read those books. Yeah, I think um, you'll love it. It's right up your alley. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, I wanted to go back to your oils because mm -hmm. you said that once you started taking the oils, it finally got you to the point where you were pain free. Yeah. So what was, what were the oils that you were using and why? I'm just curious. Totally. So when I talk about oils, I'm only talking about doTERRA because of the quality and the way that they're sourced um, and the purity of those essential oils. So just that little caveat, I always like to say that, especially as I start talking about ingesting them. So when I started, she had told me to start with two products that were very pivotal. They were in the starter collection and it was frankincense and deep blue. So frankincense is uh, a, it's made from a sap of a tree in the uh, Somaliland, South Africa, right? So this is a very sacred essential oil. If you read the Bible, you know that frankincense, myrrh, and gold were given to Jesus Christ. Like this goes back thousands of thousands of years. Frankincense itself is one of the most incredible essential oils to support a healthy inflammatory cycle within our body. The other thing that's really interesting about frankincense is it's high in sesquetropenes, what's one of the chemical constituents. And sesquetropenes have the capacity to pass our blood-brain barrier. 
So modern medicine, only way to get to the past the blood brain barrier is to stick a needle through it. If you ever had an epidural, you understand that experience. They stick the needle in, they put the medication in, you're numb. Got it. I had an epidural for a knee surgery when I was a kid. And I was like, never again. I was like, I won't do that when I have children. And everyone's like, oh yeah, you will. I'm like, no, it was a horrible feeling. <laughs> um, so, and I had some epidurals for my pain relief for my spinal cord injury. So frankincense was chosen for the support of the healthy inflammatory cycle. Many people are, have a misconception about inflammation. Inflammation is actually your friend. Inflammation leads to healing. But when inflammation continues cycling and doesn't break out of the cycle and becomes chronic, then it is no longer your friend. And frankincense has the ability to work with the body to break out of that chronic cycle in the, the pathways that it supports that inflammatory cycle, right? So it's not healing anything. It's just literally going into the body and like nudging it, the support that it needs in the right direction to get out of that cycle. So frankincense was something I did under my tongue, maybe like once an hour. I did it so much in the beginning because my inflammatory cycle was so chronic. And then deep blue is think about like an all natural icy hot. I was putting that on my back. Cause like my spinal cord injury is from C6 to T9. I have herniated discs throughout my back. Like it's not like a part of my back hurts. It's like the back, the general direction of the back, <laughs> like the whole thing hurt. So mm -hmm. I was slathering myself in deep blue every couple hours. Uh, and those two within two weeks were able to cut my pain in half. And then she recommended that I start with doTERRA's lifelong vitality pack. I was like, vitamins don't work. And she was like, just try them 30 day money back guarantee. And I was like, fine, I'll prove you wrong again. <laughs> she won. I got proved wrong again. I'm fine. She can prove me wrong as many times as she wants. Now she's, I, I trust now, her. Now you're probably like, yes, whatever, whatever you say, you tell me to right. jump on my left foot for a week. I'll do it. I don't care. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but so the lifelong vitality pack was like the whole food, bioavailable vitamins and minerals, antioxidants, omegas, CoQ10, ginkgo biloba, turmeric, pomegranate, seed extract, all the things that I'd like heard of, you know, all the B vitamins, D vitamins, magnesium, folate, all the things. I took them and within two weeks of adding them in, I had my first pain-free day. And I was like, okay, hold on a minute. Now, I always like to clarify here. I wasn't sitting on the couch in severe chronic pain. I was showing up to my yoga mat daily. I was getting acupuncture regularly. I was mindful of my nutrition, of my sleeping positioning, of my day-to-day -day activities. I was very clear on how to minimize my aches and pains as much as I could. And because of that awareness and the effort I was already putting in, the support that these products provided my body was the icing on the cake to get me to the success point I was in. So what I mean is if you're sitting there saying, I haven't worked out in five years, I'm in large amounts of pain and you know, I eat fast food. If I throw these oils and vitamins on there, do you think I can fix everything? Well, no, right? Nobody, you have to fix all of those things. You have to move in a direction to resolve those unhealthy habits and replace them with healthy habits, right? So I always want to clarify that, that it wasn't some like magic wand I waved. It was like the last piece of the puzzle that I needed. Well, you were working at it and you were working hard at it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because a lot of people are like, I tried it for a month and it did nothing. And I'm like, okay, what do you eat? How many hours are you sleeping? Do you drink enough water? Do you move your body? 
right? And oftentimes it's like rap, 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 all the excuses. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm are, not, nothing I throw at you is going to help you. <laughs> or are you in your head and not in your heart? Mm, mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Are you letting that little gremlin in your head tell you all the bad instead of letting your heart lead the way? I just finished reading Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. Have you read that? I know. It's so fascinating. And he talks about how the devil in the interview talks about how he has ownership of 98% of people in the world. And the easiest way to kind of suck them into his power is through fear and through this idea of drifting through life and not having definitive purpose. So it's really fascinating to, to recognize like the power of the thoughts in your head. And, and that's not obviously the first time I've heard that, but it was just so poignant because I literally finished the book this morning. So, and also your emotions, are you feeling your, your emotions? Are you pushing them away? Are you pushing them down? Are you keeping busy? So you're avoiding your feelings. Mm-hmm. Eventually oh. it's going to show up in your body. Ding, ding, ding. That was, I actually had to learn, get this. I had to learn how to cry after my divorce. When I got sober, when I stopped drinking alcohol a year after I left my ex-husband, I was like, where are all of these tears coming from? I never, why am I, I've never cried. I don't want to cry. I would be the person that didn't cry at funerals, weddings. I'm like, yeah, it's cute and all, whatever. Like didn't cry. The babies were born. I'm like, oh, they're so cute. Moving on. Like no emotion. I was just numb. And I recognized this last week. I was away with my boyfriend for my birthday and I recognized that that actually came from my childhood. It didn't come from my marriage. That skill set, quote unquote, from my childhood of numbing myself to emotions is what allowed me to survive my injury, my severe chronic pain and my abusive marriage. And then when I got out of all of them and I quit drinking and was like, you have, you have to feel these emotions. I had to like learn how to cry. My boyfriend for Christmas bought me a sweatshirt that says, it's okay to feel your feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Subtle reminder. (laughs) See, I was the opposite. I was a big crier, but I would cry at everything. I was mad. I cried. I was sad. I cried. I was frustrated. I cried. And Mm -hmm. I got sick of myself crying. And I was like, got to find another coping mechanism. Yeah, you know, and I think I cried out all my tears like the first half of my life because now I don't cry that much, um, which I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. And I am in touch with my feelings, so don't worry. Yeah, well, but- and I think once you get like I don't cry that much now, um, but for like a year, I just cried. And sometimes it was for a reason, sometimes it wasn't. And it was like all of those suppressed emotions just coming up to be resolved. And now I cry um, as I release things, as I let things go, as I release expectations and attachments and realize that like, just because someone's blood to me doesn't mean they love me. Just because, you know, someone says they love me doesn't mean they love me. Just because someone says they're going to do something doesn't mean they're going to do it. Like the only person that I can truly trust and love is myself and my partner. Like it, it's, it's one of those things like I, I give love unconditionally to people now. And 
I try and release those expectations and those um, attachments to what I look, I think love looks like, right? Uh, so I end up crying now when I am not listening to the universe and I catch myself and I need to let things go or when things are coming up to be healed. But yeah, there was like a year where I just cried. <laughs> yeah, you were making up for the lack of crying. And then with the alcohol or any kind of drug use, a lot of people use that to numb their feelings because mm -hmm. as their feelings come up, they don't know how to process mm -hmm. it. You know, we're not taught that. No, that's no. not being taught to children. And they, they, they numb themselves with alcohol, drugs, being too busy. Mm -hmm. The busyness is all avoidance. Those are like red flags to me. Yeah. 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 I was guilty of the busyness and then the alcohol. So I wasn't like a alcoholic that woke up and drank in the morning. I was the, the person that, um, would get done with their work day and say like, I'm lonely and bored. I'm going to drink a glass of wine or get frustrated with a work task and say, I'm going to drink a glass of wine or I'm cooking dinner. So I'm going to drink a glass of wine or I'm, I'm angry, frustrated, sad, lonely. Like I'm going to mask that with a glass of wine. And it was like, one, two, three glasses of wine a night. And then I was like, oh my God, stop. And it's really interesting. You're going to love this idiosyncrasy here. So I left my ex-husband on June 13th, 2018. I stopped drinking on June 12th, 2019. And I started dating Owen June, uh, sorry, I stopped drinking June 11th, 2019. And I started dating Owen June 12th. 2020. So like, June, June is a big month for you. Yeah. Right there in the middle, the 11th, yeah. 12th and 13th. And so, the 14th is my wedding anniversary. <laughs> so we just roll in the celebration right to that. <laughs> there you go. Good and good anniversary. Yeah. Well, Jennifer, it's always fun to talk to you. And mm, thank you for sharing your story today. Yeah. It was inspirational. I love healing stories too, you know, and share with the audience how they can find you. Um, if they need any help, if they're looking for a pain-free life, I would go, yeah. you'd be my go-to person. Right. I'm glad that you, you'd think of me first. That's amazing. So um, definitely head over to Instagram. That's where I'm the most active. You can find me there at natural wellness tips. Uh, you can also find me on YouTube at natural wellness tips, but if you want to connect with me and check out more of what I have to offer, I have my website is drjennifershaw.com. And if you go to drjennifershaw.com forward slash morning routine, you can get my free morning routine checklist. Uh, I always say that how we start our day is how we live our lives. So it's, it's kind of makes it a little easier than I'm not going to tell you wake up at 5 a.m. and block three hours off for your morning. I'm going to give you subtle little shifts you can make that can make a huge difference in your routine. So come over to Instagram for sure and say hi or head over to the blog, drjennifershaw.com forward slash morning routine if you want that download. And then you're still, you have a podcast too. You're still yeah. active with that. Oh yeah. So you can check out my podcast, Natural Wellness Tips. So it's on all um, platforms, iTunes, Spotify. It's over on YouTube if you want to watch the videos. Um, and yeah, so you can check me out there. Pretty much everything's Natural Wellness Tips or Dr. Jennifer Shaw. Awesome. Thanks, Jennifer. Mm, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you for listening. If you have a weird experience to share, please email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Check out our website on tinakinneyclark.com. Also, we're on Facebook and like us on Facebook and share your favorite episodes with your friends and family. I look forward to hearing about your weirdest experience.